Okay, guys, very welcome back to the show. And we've got a special guest on the show today. I think it's a rare appearance as well. Um, a man that describes himself underneath here as a former ceiling tile counter with WCW and WWF, Chris Tipton, Chris Nelson. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. We well, you know it ain't going to get no better than that. So I'm going to go ahead and go now. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing fabulous. I'm, I'm happy to be here. How are you tonight? Doing great, man. Doing great. Look, it's Really appreciate talking to any of you guys that show up. Uh, it's always great when you, when you do. <laughs> Private joke. We won't go into it tonight. We'll one more chance. I, I am. I am always. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to. I'm going to do it because my grandmother and grandfather beat that into me literally. If you make a commitment, you do it. If it says be there at six o'clock, you're there at five forty-five. So yeah, I'm not a yeah. Boy Scout though, but I try. <laughs> Look, we'll, we'll before we get into parts of WCW, WWF, and everything like that, we'll just say, how did you decide that you wanted to be a wrestler? Well, it's um, I knew at seven years old, the first time that I started watching wrestling at my grandmother's house, um, and this was Florida Championship Wrestling, so it came on every Saturday night at seven, and... I fell in love with it there. Then when I actually went to the matches for the first time, and that's the poster actually back behind me, that's the first match I ever went to. Um, and it, I knew it right there at seven years old when I went to see it. So it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Dusty Rose was there. Um, Billy Jack Haynes was there. I knew it then. But then when I was about to graduate high school, I graduated 17. I, uh, Randy Hogan, I know you've heard the name. He was, I've talked to him a couple of times here. Yeah. Oh, Randy. He was, uh, I actually convinced him to buy a house in my neighborhood and he owned a restaurant. So I started working for him and I just told him, dude, you got to train me. And he thought he would train me, you know, and I would probably wrestle one or two matches and then go be a plumber. But, you know, six months later I was in WCW. So, I mean, you know, it's like, I, I took it seriously. And right after I turned 18, that was when I got in there, but I just, I'm not, I didn't want to go to college. I don't want to be a doctor. Um, you know, I, I barely got out of high school. I only went to high school because I loved women and I love <laughs> sports. I wanted to play sports and I wanted to I wanted to look at the the girls. And that's the only reason I went to school. I fucking hated school. And I knew I wasn't going to college and this is what I wanted to do. And you know, it was I should have gone to college. I mean, you know, if you look at probably would have done me financially better, but if I would have gone to college then, I would have missed out on my whole career because I came in at the last you know, right in the middle, of the last part of being a jobber, of being an enhancement talent, you know, before they uh, went to just money, you know, doing stars on stars and they really got rid of the jobbers. But um, I just always wanted to do it. And right before I got in the business, I'll never forget this. Randy Hogan took me to a WWF match. Now, I was I wasn't in the business yet. I was about to start training and. I had an 8 by 10 for Flair to sign. Now, I'm in the back. I'm in the dressing room, and Flair comes, walks right by me because I was too afraid to talk to him. But a year later, exactly a year later, I was talking to him in WCW. It's just crazy how that goes. You know, it's just, it, it just, it was nuts. It's like I went from being this 
meek little, Fine. you know, 17 year old nervous to meet my hero. And then a year later, he's asking me to hold his Rolex and his ring. And it's just crazy. It was, I mean, it's just crazy. But I, I, I always wanted to do it and not to toot my own horn, but I, a guy asked me in high school, he said, you know, what are you going to do after school? And I told him I'm going to be a wrestler and I'll never forget this. He laughed at me. He laughed at me. I mean, literally. And as he's walking off, he's laughing. I didn't say anything, you know, whatever. 10 years later, I see that guy in Walmart with his two kids and he comes up to me and you know what he says to me? Can I get you to sign something for my kids? <laughs> Not hello, not I'm an asshole, not I can't believe you did it. Can I get you to sign something for my kids? So that's when I knew I had it. You know what I'm saying? But the one time sign- I got recognized, I just happened to go to school with him, you know? Did you sign it? I did. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I've, I mean, I've gotten a lot of requests to go to my uh, to my high school reunions, and I won't go. Um I had three friends in high school. I mean, I was an athlete. I did play on, you know, athletic teams in high school. So everybody knew me and I knew everybody, but I fucking hated them. They're all assholes. I just wanted to get out of there. So I didn't want to go to my 10. I didn't go to my 20. I I didn't go to my 30. I'm not going to my 35th. I'm good. I'm good right here. Sorry, I just had to, I went off on a tangent. No, it's grand because you brought up Randy and it pretty brings me into a question of something that he brought up on the show. He said that he felt that sometimes when he was putting guys over, like he, he told me he was putting over guys who he was a better, like he was saying that he was a better wrestler than the guys he was putting over a lot of times. Did you find that over your career as well? Absolutely. Oh, God, yes. Especially especially in dark matches. I did a lot of dark matches. Um, basically, you know, WWF, when they would want people to come in so they could look at them, they would put them with me or another guy to see how they were. Um, I did a lot of those. And there were a ton of them that went on to, you know, get to get jobs with them. And they were horrible. I tell you, who was really horrible when I wrestled him was Triple H. Yeah, he was, had- he was horrible. And I called the match, but he, I worked in his spots. But he was just new. It's not like he was bad. He was just new, and he didn't – like, he had my arm, and I went to shoot him in from there. But he wouldn't go because I didn't grab his wrist from there. Anyone else would have gone with me, you know, especially when I'm controlling the match. But he didn't know. He didn't know any better. All he knew was we're supposed to do this. So that didn't happen, and he didn't go. I covered it, and we ended up okay. But, yeah, it was – he he was he was great though, very nice, very appreciative, and even ten years after that, when he came to power a little bit, when I was back in WWF, he uh, he still remembered that match. He still remembered my name. He still remembered the match, and he still thanked me for it. So that's pretty damn cool. I mean, you know, most of these guys like Lex Luger, I had to go up to him, and you know. Tell him, hey, you know, we worked in New York and we worked in Atlanta and we worked in, you know, Orlando, whatever. You'll remember. But, you know, he had other things on his mind at the time. I mean, you know, he was in a bad spot. But 
that was it yeah because well what randy actually said to me that you brought up lex was he's like i was better than the guy holding me he goes in the rack and smiling and pointing at cameras yep yep and, so and we, he was I mean, that happened a lot they had a lot of guys that had bodies because they wanted bodies you know they didn't want like if you look at the wrestling today you know i would have been a huge star in the 70s or today because i was always a little large i didn't go to the gym i mean i was naturally big big shoulders i hated going to the gym but i would have been in i would have been in great in the 70s and 80s but unfortunately i got in 91 so i just missed it but and today today i would i would be over like a million dollars because they're not focused on bodies anymore they're focused on people that can read a script mm. you know i'd have had a problem with that too because i can't i can't read a script i, I never could Tell me what you want me to say, and then, you know, let me go. I mean, it's, you know, ugh, I hated that. It's like I, my memory was bad back then, you know, before CTE. Jesus, I mean, <laughs> I I couldn't remember it back then. I sure as hell can remember it now. Yeah. Oh. One guy, one guy you did wrestle early on in your career that was very highly rated though as a wrestler and as a performer was Rick Rude. What was it like working with him? Scary. Yeah. Because that was my second match in WCW. And I was officially 18 and two weeks old. And my first time in Atlanta, my first time in center stage, my first time actually on the road with WCW. Yeah. Um, it was just scary. And but he was great. I it was scary because of me. He was great. He um he was the world champ at the time and he didn't have to work in a, where he would take a bump for me and let me get some offense. He didn't have to do that, but he did. And it made me feel good and gave me a little bit of confidence because I really needed it. Because again, I was 18. I didn't know shit. I was green as hell and I was 18. You know, I couldn't piss anyone off because I wasn't old enough to rent a car to get back home. So I probably had taken a bus. <laughs> that would have sucked. I've taken a bus. <laughs> but he, Rick was very professional with you anyway. Yeah, he was he was great and it was it was scary to me because I grew up watching him. You know, I, I grew up watching him and and Paul Bearer, Percy Pringle, you know, laying on a beach doing smooth operator and got his hair back and you know and I watched him feud with Billy Jack and with all these guys, you know, it, it's like he was one of the guys that I really looked up to. So I was nervous as hell. I mean, I think, I think WCW loved me um, after my first day, my first day um, I was wearing a silk shirt, had nice pants. Like I just, like I just left church. I had Italian shoes. I mean, I was looking good and I get there and they put me against the nasty boys. And I already expected it. They don't know me from Adam. They put me with a guy named uh, Johnny Love was his name. And it was his first match, too. Yeah. So we go out there. The Nasty Boys absolutely beat the entire dog shit hell out of both of us. So we get back in the dressing room and I'm bleeding. And 
So Johnny Love comes up to me and he says, you know, that was bullshit. I'm going to go talk to Jody Hamilton. I, this, this is bullshit. They can't do that. And I said, well, just leave my name out of it. And he left, right? And then I didn't see him anymore. But about half an hour later, Jody Hamilton comes back where I am. And I've got toilet paper up my nose because I'm still trying to get the blood out. And he goes, did you have a problem with the Nasty Boys kid? I said, no, sir. I appreciate the opportunity. It was great. I thank you very much. And he looked at me and he goes, can you be in Atlanta Tuesday? Yes, sir, I can. And that was that. I just think, you know, that he was, my partner didn't know what to do. He should have kept his mouth shut. And he never worked for WCW again. So if he'd have kept his mouth shut, you know, I knew it. I knew at 18, I needed to keep my mouth shut, you know? Yeah. Our friend Randy Hogan has joined the chat there and he says, hello, my son. My pops. That's, I wouldn't, you know, he, um, I would have never been in the business if it wasn't for him. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's that's the truth. Yeah. You'll have to you'll have to rewind the episode a little bit, Randy. We put you over big time. Yes, I did. That's mm-hmm. uh, good times. Good times. It was uh, be- because of him. I mean, it was. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Because of him, it was uh, like it didn't. It didn't get me in WCW or anything like that, but he got me to where he could train me in a ring privately, just the two of us. You know, he kind of got me up the ladder a little bit quicker. I didn't have to go to wrestling school. I didn't have to pay to go to wrestling school. He actually bought me my first pair of boots, uh, my first outfit, everything. I mean, he he took care of me because, you know, I, w- I wasn't expecting him to do that, but I, shit, I didn't know where to get wrestling boots, uh, you know. And about a month before my first match, they just appeared. And right up there, I still have the receipt with Randy Hogan's name on it from that from the boots when they were delivered. Brilliant. So I still have that. And that's yeah. uh, 30, 31 years ago. Yeah. Randy's so, one of the nicest guys I've met doing this. Oh, uh, doing this he, he, really, well. he really is. And, you know, and... and when you want to talk about someone who wrestled everybody, Randy wrestled everybody. I mean, I watched hours of tapes. Well, they're four-minute matches, so, you know, he had a lot of them. He had multiple tapes, VHS tapes, of all these different matches, and he didn't have any repeats. They were all the same one, you know, different ones every time. So he he was around. I mean, and, you know, they don't keep you around if you suck. That's the bottom line. If you're the shits, or if you create a problem, they're not going to keep you around. That's why in WWF, and I always took shit for this, in WWF, I didn't want to even be seen. I want to see who I'm wrestling, and then I'm going to go sit in the locker room by myself. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to cause any issues. I don't want to get in any shit. I'll go to catering, you know, because other people got me in there, and it would be a bad reflection on them if I'm too loud or if I'm, you know, if I say something, you know, after a year or two, I, I was a lot cooler. I was more relaxed, but for that first year or two, I was, I was like, eh, eh, you know, buy the book, you know, and then, you know, going out and partying with them, you know, you get to loosen up a little bit more. Um, Wild times. I mean, wild times. We literally, 
we were in upstate New York one time and literally there was a Christmas party for doctors and nurses and Rikishi, myself, Buck Quartermain, um, probably Godfather. We went in there and a couple more. We went in there. I kicked the bartender out. I started being the bartender and we drank all their liquor. I mean, the doctors and nurses were having a great time. They, they wanted to dance with us and everything. The bartender, he didn't give a shit. I mean, it, it was good. And, and, but we used to do that every night. That was, the, you know, that was just literally Monday night. You know, I mean, it's like, we still got two more days before we fly home. So, you know, there's going to be a Tuesday night that I lose you. My computer went blank. Sorry. I just, there. But, okay. no, it, man, it was, uh, WWF, boy, that was sweet. WCW was nice. Don't get me wrong. I had, I had better matches in WCW because I got to wrestle more. But WWF was where the money was. WWF was where the fun was. And they treated you a whole lot different. I mean, 150 bucks and you got to pay everything yourself for WCW or minimum 250 bucks. And they fly you, you know, here, give you a rental car, pay for your hotel, pay for your gas, sometimes pay for the food. You know, what are you going to do? Mm. Did you ever have any interactions with Vince himself then over the years, Vince McMahon, an enigma? One time. I had I had several with Shane um, mm -hmm. before he was even before he was even really working there. He was still in college and he came up to me and asked me how I like working for the company and this and that. And I knew it was Shane McMahon, even though he had never been, you know, he had TV never been on TV by this point. I knew who the hell it was. So of course I put it over. Uh but um, Vince said three words to me, I'm, and I don't remember the match, but he was on his way back to Gorilla, and I had just left Gorilla, and I, was, I had my hands on my knees because I was sucking wind, <laughs> and then I see these Italian loafers, and I look up, and it's Vince, and he goes, good match, kid, and then he walks away. That was it. That's all he ever said to me. Yeah. <laughs> there were people um, that worked there a lot longer than he said a lot less to you know yeah. I mean it was <clears throat> damn sorry it's, I don't even smoke it... <laughs> damn. Um, I have I had someone down here that you wrestled as well jumping back to WCW and we talked about him off camera about several guys that like him Vader yeah well what was, what was your experience like with him okay before my first day in WCW, Randy Hogan wrestled the day before that. So I called him about six o'clock at night. We didn't have cell phones back then, you know, so I called him on his house phone. I said, what happened? Tell me what happened. And he said, I'm soaking in the tub. And I said, you had to work with Vader? And he, yeah. And he just said, he killed me. I don't even want to talk about it. So I thought, that's what I'm going to get. You know, Vader's going to kill me. Mm -hmm. um, what was the question again? See, I told you every once in a while. Yeah, what was what was your experience like working with him? Oh, the first time, because that was my third match in yep. WCW, my first one with him. Um, he had Harley with him. He told me, as he's, he said, I'm going to hit you in the corner, 
All right. And then if, if you go down, I'm going to hit you back up. He said, stand there and take it. I said, okay, no problem. And that was pretty much all he said. So we went out there and as soon as he started with the club run, that is the first time in my life I have ever seen stars. I literally saw stars the first time in my life. He picked me up and he just sat me down, but I thought he threw me across the ring. But all he did was pick me up and set me down. Um, he power bombed me on my shoulder, which it was really my fault because I was disoriented and I didn't know where in the hell I was because I was still seeing stars. So I landed on my shoulder, which completely tore my, uh, my, uh, um, that. So I got the surgery scar right there for it, for that wow. one. Um, but that was a small tear, but that was from Vader. I got it fixed 20 years later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, I had to work the rest of my career with it like that. Um, I wrestled Vader five times and it literally, he liked me. So he would always give me at least a little spot, but every time it got worse, he beat me worse every time. I don't know if he was in a bad mood. I don't know, but I just, after the first time, the first time was bad enough. I was rooming with Bob Cook that night and I drank a bottle of vodka afterwards uh, just to celebrate the fact that I was alive because he had just broken <laughs> Joe Thurman's back. So I, I had that playing in my mind. Yeah, and yeah. the funny part about Vader is Dave Penzer, the announcer, that's who we used to ride up with. It was me and Bob Cook and Dave Penzer and probably somebody else. And as soon as we crossed the Georgia line, Dave Penzer said to me, would you quit if you had to work with Vader? And I said, well, that's a great thing for you to ask when I'm already in Georgia and have no way to get home. I said, no, I'm not going to quit. And I knew that night I had Vader. But five times I worked with him, it got worse every time. Um, but he liked me. And he, he did such a mental job to my head that fast forward 15 years later, we're doing a show in the Bahamas, and I'm the referee. And when he gets in the ring, I still like had fear in my like I was in the corner, like kind of shaking, like, holy shit, I'm in the ring with I'm in the ring with Vader again. And I was a referee, and I was still scared of him. That's a, that's a shoot. That's straight up, straight up truth. I uh, shit was crazy. <laughs> shit was crazy, man. Uh, I don't, whoo, but Bob, he, Bob, Bob told me that that people used to come in, see their name on the board, and just leave. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. And that's why Penzer asked me. You know, and and that's why he waited till we got to Georgia before he asked me. Um, mm. You know, and the funny part was here's how great of a guy Bob Cook is. Bob Cook never had to work with Vader. Bob Cook never had to work with Vader because they cherished Bob and what he could do and what he had been doing for the last five, six years before that. So that's why they put him in good spots. Yeah, he would still have to work the nasty boys here and there and blah, 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 but they would take the fall on the other person. They would put Bob with Ricky Steamboat. They would put Bob with Flair. I watched that match, Bob and Flair. I, I almost cried for him. <laughs> I really did. Because um, that's a big moment. Sure. You know? I mean, it's like it's like the, uh, the movie. Uh, anyway, when he, he said, you know, we have a code. 
you shook Sinatra's hand. Anyone that shakes Sinatra's hand, you know, you're kind of in the club. You know, that's kind of a club, you know? Yeah. At least for me, it is. Yeah. You know, yeah, badge of honor. Yeah. <laughs> a big badge. Alex Wright. Alex Wright is a guy you worked with a lot and I had oh. had him on the show recently. Um, what, what was your experience like with him? Because I know like a lot of people said that he was kind of green coming in, but he still came from that kind of second generation. Oh, and yeah. It came, it came very fast for him, I think, by the time he was kind of working with you guys, didn't it? Yeah, he. Uh, we were the exact same age. Yeah. And we would, um, we would always hang out at the bar afterwards together. Um he actually put me in touch with uh, Otto Wines in Germany about me going for a tour over there. Alex yeah. was Alex was great to me. Now we wrestled at least eleven times, but I'm thinking it's thirteen. Um, and he was he was always great. We had eight minutes on WCW Saturday Night, and we called the entire match in the back. And that's something we had never done. And I hate that because my memory's always been bad. But we called it all in the back. And we went out there and we both remembered it all. And that was an amazing match. I mean, it was it was in my top three of my WCW matches. It was so good that the next week we are in Orlando. I'm getting my boots on. And I see a shadow and I look up. And it's Lord Stephen Regal. William Regal. Yeah. And he said to me, he said, I saw your match with Alex on Saturday night. It was one hell of a match. I would love to work with you at any time. I, what? Seriously? That just blew me away because like I had like a man crush on him just because he was <laughs> such a good freaking wrestler. And I just, I wanted to do the stuff that, you know what I'm saying? Like I yeah. loved watching him wrestle. And, you know, a guy I respect so much came up to me and said that. And I'm like, holy shit. You know, it, it really was a good match. And it was, I can't believe I remembered it all. I literally forgot the opening spot, though. And I had, the referee had to go ask him what the opening spot was. As soon as he told me it all, it was all, it was all good. And I'll come back. Alex probably thought I was ribbing him, though. He's like, ah, he, he doesn't need this. But yeah, I did. I forgot the whole damn thing. I mean, you know. <laughs> What are you gonna do? Shit. Yeah. Memory's not that good. Yeah. How did the um because I know you started off in WCW, so how did the WWF work come about? Kind of kind of you kind of went in between the two for a while. Yep. It, I was I was happy at WCW. Yeah. And then the best thing for my career happened, and that was Jimmy Del Rey going to Smoky Mountain. Because Jimmy, I was one of Jimmy's guys. You know, he, we were, you know, Tampa click, Tampa, Florida guys. So when he went up there, they needed people bad. You know, he went from Smoky Mountain straight up WWF. They needed people bad jobbers. They needed them. So he picked me and Buck Quarter, Maine, and one of the Southern Posse, Sonny Trout, and Jeff Bradley, who was an amazing wrestler. God, Jeff was great. And we went on that first trip. They flew us to New York. And that was the first trip that started everything. And then they started flying us everywhere. California, Texas, back up, you know, New York, Boston. We were driving to Louisiana, driving to, you know, Birmingham and the Carolinas, Georgia. 
Um, so it, it came like that. But then when Jimmy left WWF, another friend of mine was there, Kevin Kelly. Kevin and I are very good friends. And when Jimmy left, they needed a connection to get jobbers again. And Kevin called me. So what I would do is I would help them. They would tell me what they needed, how many they needed, where it was. And I would send them, you know, and like, you, you ever had the Black Nature Boy on here? No. Scoot Andrews? No. Yeah, I remember I told Kevin. Kevin's like, I said, I said, I got somebody for you. He goes, who? I said, the Black Nature Boy. He goes, what the fuck is a Black Nature Boy? And I said, don't worry about it. Trust me. So Kevin said, okay. And then Black Nature Boy came in, and he just ruled ass. He did so good in there, and they, then they started using him. Hack Myers, too. Hack Myers, you know, had never worked for WWF. I was able to get him in there. Um, so it's like I kind of became the booker for the, you know, Kevin Kelly was the actual booker, but I'm the one that got the heat because I was the one suggesting the names. You were the so middle man. got mad at me if I wasn't suggesting their name, and it's like, that's not really how it works. You know, normally it's Kevin saying, Hey, who's this guy? Let's get him, you know, but you know, got to get heat somehow, you know, it's okay. No problem with me. Ian is just wondering there. What, what's the title belts in the background? Um, the, uh, grab them there if you want. There you go. Here, I'll grab them. This is the old Florida heavyweight title from the 70s. I, I was the Florida champion, and I just like this belt a whole lot. So I just got that one. Um, and this is my baby. This is my NWA World Tag Team title that I held three times. So... This is my baby. That's my baby. That's a pretty prestigious one to have. Yeah, it, it was. The um, the NWA was not in a good place. They had not been mainstream in a long time, and they were not in the magazines anymore. So what we did was we got Steve Carino, the world title. We took the world tag team titles. Lex Lovett got the NWA junior heavyweight title. And then we just went on the road. And a lot of times we would have guarantees kind of like you when people don't show up, you know, they say they're going <laughs> to be there and they're not. They yeah. would they would say, okay, you guys are going to pay all your trans, plus we're going to give you 250 a night. That was the guarantee, 250 a night no matter what, because yeah. we were the champions. We would get there, and then all of a sudden it would be 150 and then then they would they can only pay for half of the trans and this and that. So we would have to take it in the shorts, but we were also getting, finally, we were getting the NWA back into the magazines, and that's what we did. Uh, I my partner became 
really good friends with Brandy Makowitz from PWI, and and we actually met her when we were wrestling in Pennsylvania, and gave her a whole bunch of stuff, and she would put us in there, and we were in all the magazines. I mean, I, we were in the top 500. We were a tag team, but I was ranked number 174 in the world, and I'm like, holy crap. I mean, that's cool. I mean, you know, everybody says, oh, you're a mark if you, you know. But listen, if you're a plumber, okay, you're a plumber, all right? You, you dig ditches and you, you clog toilets, you unclog them, okay? Wouldn't it be nice to know that you're the 174th best plumber in the world? I think there's some pride there. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's a fair point. I mean, you know, hey, he gets to go home and kiss his fat wife and say, you know what? Guinness just told me that I am the 174th best plumber in the entire world. Now, suck my dick. <laughs> I'm solving world I'm solving world problems here. I'm reaching out across the ocean to help people. That's what I do. That's who I am. I'm a giver. I've got to bring up two people from 94 in WWF you work with. We touched on one earlier, Lex Luger. What was he like to work with in the ring? He um, actually in the ring, he was great. Always, always let me beat him up. Um, always. Lex was great. Where I had a problem with Lex was we were doing a uh, spot show at a high school in, let's say, Orlando, because I can't remember where it is. It's a okay. six-man tag, and Lex is on the other side. And this place is packed. These people are here, all right? There's a 1,000 people crammed into this little-ass gymnasium. Lex Luger was supposed to be at a luncheon thing that he no-showed. He was supposed to do radio that he no-showed. He was supposed to do all this stuff that he just wasn't there. He showed up late to the building. And then we found him shooting Newbane in his knuckles behind the building. So we're like, all right, this is going to be trash. We knew that he was going to mess up the match. So we had a contingency plan in case he did. So we worked out his little spot and this and that. And time for the spot. Lex is supposed to come in. He ain't coming. So I look at the other guy and I'm like, all right, let's do it. So he does the spot that Lex is supposed to do. And then Lex gets pissed off. He starts shaking her up. He's like, that's my fucking spot. This is him standing on the ring yelling that we have his spot while the match is going on. That's my spot. So, and I knew it was going to be bad because I weighed 210 pounds, okay? And he's picked me up when I was 240, 250. I was weighing 210. And he says to me before we went out there, he goes, if I go for the rack and I can't get you, I'm going to hit you with a small package. I knew right then I wasn't going up for the rack. I knew it was yeah. going to be a small package. I already knew. So anyways, it was just such a shit show. And you had a 1,000 people from a little hick town in Florida all right, they got together to come and watch you. And you're shooting fucking new bane in your knuckles around back. And then you come here and you fuck up the match. I was on my way to the dressing room to punch him in the face. 
I was literally going to punch him in the face. I got whisked away the other way, and my partner went in there and talked to him and almost got into it with him. Um, but it was all Lex's fault, and it was all because of addiction. It was all because of pills. It was all because of shooting shit in your knuckles. That's what it was. And I'm not preaching about it because you know what? I was that at one point in my life. So I understand that. And that's why I, I, I don't have any ill feelings towards Lex because once I thought about it and, and went from, oh, this was supposed to be a great night and he fucked this up and he fucked that up. You know, once I got over that and I said, you know what? I hadn't done that specific thing, but I've let people down too. And I was almost dead, you know, uh, I OD'd. I mean, just a whole bunch of stuff. It's like, who am I to sit there and be pissed at him for doing the same shit that I did? So once I, once I started thinking about it like that, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm thinking about it the right way now, you know, instead of being pissed, it's, you know, I did my share of fucking up and, you know, Lex admits his and I've admitted mine and I have no problem talking about it. You know, it was, that's just, we just partied, you know, we partied, we had a good time. I'm not blaming wrestling. It wasn't wrestling's fault. It was my fault. Nobody forced anything down me. Nobody, nobody said, Oh, you're a chicken. If you don't do this, I did everything willingly. Yeah. And then I probably forced people to drink or force, you know what I'm saying? Once you're in the mm-hmm. moment, you yeah. know, and I haven't had a drink in 19 years now. Wow. So, um, you know, that's, that's just my thing. I, you know, I, I got out of it, you know, I made it, thank God. So, you know, I don't mind talking about it. That's why, you know, it doesn't bother me. I'm glad that I'm alive. I have an eight year old, you know, I'm glad that I'm alive so I can see him. You know, I mean, that's yeah. my whole world right there. So, yeah, I think, I think like I, I talked to a lot of guys about the party elements and the lifestyle, but it, it's very comparable to like rock and roll and things like that. And just been on the road and going to a different city all the time and yeah. got to go out, got to have a drink, fly to the next town, do the show, go out again meet some women, have some drinks, whatever, go again the next day. I can see, I can see how you could fall into like a routine like that. If you, if you ask any of the people I was on the road with, they would tell you that I have, I was the best wingman in all of wrestling. (laughs) There was not a, listen, I was always, I was always the fat guy with the good looking guys with muscles, you know, (laughs) with the tan bodies and the long hair and the 12 inch cocks, you know, everyone, it's just like the girls have a fat friend. I was the fat wingman. And I took that very seriously. There was not one chick that I denied servicing. Okay. No matter how fat, ugly, or uninebriated I was, I did whatever I had to do to ensure that my boys were able to do what they wanted to do. You know, I had to take one not only for the team, but for the entire league and half the <laughs> fucking galaxy. Okay. But those shall remain nameless. But just Maybe know, I'll... I'm your man. If you, you know, well, not anymore. But, you know, 
if you needed a good, you know, wingman, that would have been me. I'm old and fat now, so sorry. <laughs> um, another guy you worked with in 94, the British Bulldog. How was he to work with? Davy Boy. I loved him. He was so great. He was he was late the first time we worked. He was real late. And this was now my second match in WWF. My second day, my second match. So I wanted to get with him so that I could get it figured out and that we could, you know. When he finally arrived, he wanted nothing to do with it. When nothing to do with it, you know, we already know the finish. He's going to running slam me, blah, blah, blah. And he just goes, we'll be okay, mate. And we go to the ring. So we, the spot is good. I, I'm beating him up a, a little bit. I go to shoot him in and I go down for the vertical suplex. He, he holds it for a second. Then he picks me up. He held me up for 55 seconds. They had to cut out 30 seconds of it for TV because after a while, we started counting together. When he got to about 20, I was like 21, 22, and he started counting with me. And we got to 55 before we went down. Wow. I think that's the longest one he ever did. Um, I'd like to thank Randy Hogan for teaching me how to keep my legs straight so that I was able to do that. If it weren't for him and Buddy Valentine, I'd have never been able to do that. So a little plug again. There you go. Um, but he was great. He was really great. I worked a lot of independent shows with him, you know, when he was released and this and that. And he was always great, always funny. He he was the life of the party. I mean, just he was just funny. He was just funny. I he was hilarious. Owen Hart was hilarious. Um and I worked with Owen too, so um they were just funny guys. Bulldog was just, he was just funny. Uh, and great in the ring. God, his Japan stuff with him and Dynamite? Holy crap. I would love just to have been able to do something like that physically. Yeah. No way I could have done that. I mean, shit. Dynamite, I mean, I could, you know, I can take a good ass whooping. I just, you know, I can't, I couldn't be Dynamite. I know that. God. Were you, were you around in 99, speaking of Owen, were you around in 99 when he sadly passed away? I know you did do work in WWF in the 90s. Were you around that time when that happened? Yeah, I had actually, I had actually, I saw him and Martha the week before that happened. We were in Jacksonville. And the next week was when it happened. Because um, I was doing a like a meet and greet at a pay-per-view party. And I stayed for like four matches and then I left. And when I got home, I already had a message on my answering machine. Did you just see what happened? No, I didn't. You know, and that was when we found out, but yeah, I saw him and Martha the week before. I mean, it might've been two weeks for the fact checkers. I might've been two weeks, but it, I think it was. Only close to it, yeah. yeah. Um, just sad. God. Do you think? Do you think oh. that's the worst? The worst decision that Vince has ever made to go through and finish that show. I understand why he did it. I mean, it's 
it had never, they have never been in that situation before. You know, I, I think that, I think that they only had like, I think two or three more matches to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time he got to the hospital, they would probably have like only two matches left. So by the time they knew he was dead, you know, they probably, I don't know. Um, that's probably what happened. I, I wasn't there that night. Um, it's, I, it's a huge mistake. But how, how how do you know? You know, you don't know yeah. until you're yeah. in that situation. I mean, that's a hell of a call. Do you go off air? I mean, you know, Jim Ross handled it the best that he could. Yeah, um, they were all. I think I think the wrestlers and the announcers and Jimmy Corderas, everyone that was there, absolutely were so professional, even just to get that thing wrapped up. You know, yeah, they're the real oh heroes there. Oh my god! I mean, it's. It, it was, it, it's just so sad. I mean, it's, oh my God. I'm glad that Martha got money. She's done a lot of good stuff with it. Um, I just can't believe the size of that hook. I mean, I wish Owen would have said something. I mean, that, that little carabiner, you know, I mean, I saw when you look at it, you're like, I don't, it doesn't look like it would hold 50 pounds, you know? I don't know. Just sad. God. Very sad. We'll 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 liven things up a bit. What's the funniest <laughs> rib you've seen backstage at a WWF <laughs> environment? Let's say that. Was this? Um, I, I I don't I don't think it's a rib. I think it was it was a shoot. Um, okay. Was when uh, things were put in the food of Mark Marrow and Rena Marrow. Um, Sable, I saw that, <laughs> and I saw little little things like that about Sunny too. Um, they were always messing with her, so um, that was it. They 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 didn't do a lot of ribs like when we when we left because we were all drinking and partying, you know. Um, uh, they would rib the fans more than they would rib, you know, the boys. But uh, I never got taped naked at a gay bar, uh, <laughs> which, you know, was, I think, something they did in the 70s. Um, I really didn't get ribbed much. I, I'm glad I didn't because, you know, that would just suck. I, I didn't get ribbed much. Um, all the faces, it's still insane and crazy. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it. I, I I would have hated to be the one to make that decision. You know, I mean, it, it's, oh, I, I'm glad, you know, that they did the right thing and gave him a, you know, a tribute and stuff. And yeah, I just, you know, uh, I'm, I'm glad Martha is good. You know, I think it's hilarious that she works with AEW now, you know, and does things with them. You know, that's kind of her final fuck you, you know, to yeah. them. But woo, now you can under you can understand where she's coming from. What was that? Yeah. I said you can understand where she's coming from with that. Yeah, she wants nothing to do yeah. with them, and I wouldn't want anything to do with them either. Yeah. You know, um Hulk Hogan. Ever have any interactions with him? I know you didn't get to wrestle him though. I never got to wrestle him, but when he first came into WCW, he would um, always come around, especially at Christmas, and shake everyone's hand, give you a hug, 
Merry Christmas, brother. You know, Merry Christmas, brother. You know, he did that to everybody, you know, jobbers, overs, everybody. So that's that was like the first interaction I had with him. Then fast forward to 2000. I think it was 2000. This is like the end of WCW. And I'll make this a quick story because it's a long story, but I'll make it quick. There's a huge radio show in Orlando, Monsters of the Midday. And I had already done a couple of things with them. WCW, they had sold no tickets to WCW Thunder. So they wanted to put the main DJ in a match. So he wanted to wrestle with me. So they brought us in on a Thunder taping. They were going to put us first match. Okay. WCW had sold a thousand tickets. Sales had died. When our match was announced, it went to 10,000. So we had 9,000 people there that were there to see this match. And they knew that. (laughs) So Jimmy Hart came back in the back and he said, listen, baby, y'all, y'all are not going to go on first. Now we're going to put you guys on dead last. Oh, really? That's cool. All right. The, there's the semi-main event was Hulk Hogan against Dustin Rhodes. The main event was classy Chris Nelson against Russ Rollins. WCW Thunder. I'm the one that killed it. There you go. Did so they yes, televise Hogan, did they televise that match? What's that? Did they televise that match? Yeah. No, no. That was just okay. for the crowd. That was just okay, for the I was crowd. thinking that, yeah, because I never heard that story. Yeah. They knew that they knew that they had to put us on last because all those people were there to see Russ Rollins. And Russ Rollins, I, I've wrestled him three or four times. The first time we drew 3,500 people. The second time we drew 7,000. And then our last time was 10,000. So, you know, we had a history. And he came to me and he said, listen, I want you to win tonight. You need to lose. I need to lose. You need to win. This is WCW. I'm not a wrestler. And I said, dude, we are not going to send 10,000 people home angry. I said, I'm here to put you over. So Hulk Hogan's match went on. Hulk Hogan and Dustin did their thing. He dropped the leg. They got out. My music hits. I come to the ring. Russ Rollins comes to the ring. The place went fucking ballistic. Ten times louder than when Hogan came out. It was great. But, yes, that's my interaction with Hogan. He wrestled semi-main event while I wrestled main event one time. That's crazy. Have you, is, there any, is there any footage of that match going around? There are still pictures. Yes, I do have still pictures, but I don't know of any footage. Like I said, this was 99 or 2000. Cell phones were like, you know, shit not everyone had one. Yeah, they were shit anyways. So um, I don't know, but it really happened. I do have a couple articles that were written about that. So I, I actually looked at them the other day. I still have a little printed up stuff, but I just think it's cool because if you see the picture right behind me, Right there, that's me and my tag team partner Vito and Hulk Hogan, and that's from that night. Right there, yeah. So he was he was in the uh, he was in the dressing room. Jimmy brought him in there because they wanted to meet Russ and everybody. And the special guest referee for our match was Hacksaw Jim Duggan. 
who I had wrestled five times before that already. So I was, I would, you know, Hacksaw didn't care. He just wanted to have fun. Acer says he remembers you wrestling on WCW Saturday nights. I I had over my career I had three around three hundred matches on TV. Um, so, and a whole bunch of them were on WCW Saturday night. And I really wish that WWF would put more of the catalog out because there are so many matches from like WCW Worldwide that I want to see or WCW Pro or ones that I've never seen on TV, me against Terry Funk, um, Bob Cook's favorite, um, <laughs> you know, uh, me against the Fantastics. I've never seen that one. I had a great match with Jim Powers. Never saw that one. Uh, me against uh, the amazing Quebecers, the French Canadians, whatever they were calling themselves. Those were all good matches. Where in the hell are they? I'd like to see them. You know, yeah. you've had the same crap up on Peacock now for the last five years. Put some new stuff up there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure people would be see... interested in that old stuff as well. Oh, exactly. I mean, I'm yeah. starting to see more of the WWF stuff coming out. Um, like uh, like Jacked and Metal and whatever shows, you know, I'm starting to see mm -hmm. more of that come out. So you, I'm you... hoping I had a whole bunch of those. Yeah, because you wrestled like the Hardys and two cool Hardy boys, the Hardy boys. Yeah. That was strictly for, for New York. Like that was only shown. And that was in Jacksonville. Uh, my family was there that night. Um, and that was, yeah. And that was hack Myers first match in WWF that I, I got him in there and hack did 90% of the match. And he actually dislocated his shoulder during the match, but he popped it back in, you know, and, finish the match i mean he was a freaking trooper holy shit it was a wicked bump too whatever they did it was wicked and he landed right on his shoulder i'm like god i'm so glad that was hacked jesus and the two guys Ooh. that was it that was it i think 99 or 98 i think 99 i think when you wrestle them like and it's hard to believe that they're still on tv now every week isn't it i know that you know I know Matt's brain is fried and I know that Jeff's brain is fried and it's just time to walk away. I mean, Jeff keeps missing everything, you know, I mean, that other yeah. night, I mean, I only saw the clips, but you know, I just said, listen, I just don't want, I don't want to look at a tape of me one day and see me doing that shit because I'm too old. Somebody tell me so I can get the hell out before that happens. And that happened. So, you know, it, you know, I, they, they may, they may be looking towards that massive show next month in Wembley stadium, potentially 90,000 people there. I think there's oh, talks yeah. of a lot of people potentially walking away. such a sting as well. Um, from that, really? from that event. That's, that's what I'm hearing anyway. Like leaving the company retiring, I think from wrestling basically. Oh, really? But he probably, he probably stay within the company. Now these are only rumors, but, it would be a nice way for some of these guys to go out though, you know? Oh, absolutely. If Sting if Sting wanted to go out, man, look, they owe it to him. He's nothing you to know? prove. They 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 owe it to him. I wrestled Sting. I, I what a great guy. Matter of fact, he took uh the night that uh, Hulk Hogan was freaking semi main to my main event, he took uh about probably thirty or forty bucks off of me playing cards. 
So uh, <laughs> it was me and him, me and Sting. Yeah. Yeah. And and Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah. That was He's it. still there as well. Yep. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Sting, Sting is great. Dustin is great. Love them both. I, I'm so glad to see that Dustin has straightened up because Dustin and I both went through some bad times together. I mean, we both, you know, we, we shared a lot of drugs, you know, from time to time. So, I mean, you know, we, we had our struggles together. So I'm, yeah. I'm so glad to see that he's, you know, walking the, you know, and I'm a straight and narrow too, you know, except for edibles. Now I got to have an edible now. <laughs> All right. I can't sleep without I, an edible. So for I people found- that, you know, don't like anything about, you know, marijuana and shit and go fuck yourself. I don't care. I, I got to have edible. When I when I, I was in Dallas last year and like edibles, let's just say, aren't the same over here as they are over there. The, you get these things. I don't know anything about strengths and whatever, but I had two of these things and I've been drinking all day. I had two of these gummy bears. Wow. Ooh, the night changed. Were on, you were on you were on alpha, baby. You were you I t- were I tell you what was happening. I'll tell you what was happening. We were playing we were in a sports bar. It's it was kinda like a it was called what the fuck was it called? It was like a big kind of um I don't know how to describe it in America. It was like a big dance hall and it was full of pool tables and it's like a country machines. bar. That's basically that's a country basic bar. country bar. Yeah. Yeah, we were there, but it was this was a huge place because Steve Austin was doing his beer launch there that night. Ah and, yeah. Um, that's so like a Austin, Dallas Bowl in Tampa. Yeah. Huge country bar, dance yeah. floor, and the whole thing. So Austin came up on stage and said, Great to be here tonight. Here's my beer. And that's the bottom line. And then he was gone. Like he was only like there for like two minutes. And we had traveled an hour in a in a cab to get there. Oh. And next thing, anyway, I had the, these two things. I was giving them, and we were playing pool. And then an hour, about an hour later, I said, um, "Whose shot is it?" And one of the guys turned to me and goes, "Oh, we finished that game an hour ago." <laughs> Thought we were still playing pool. <laughs> yeah, it. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I was never a pot smoker. That's the thing. Mm. I prefer drugs that sped me up a little bit. Um, you know, not. Not the fucking, uh, you know, and pot. All I wanted to do was with pot was just eat and go to sleep. So, you know, so I use it for sleep now. Um, but yeah, I, pot was never my thing. So that's why I'm shocked by the fact that I actually enjoy a gummy now because I just never, just wasn't my thing. You know, I mean, every, everyone else in wrestling smoked pot. I mean, I would join in. Uh, but I mean, it just wasn't my drug of choice. I mean, it, you know, but yeah. a lot of people did. Yeah. I think I was one of the only ones that didn't. I think regularly, everyone else did. Everyone smoked. Everyone yeah. smoked. Yeah. Godfather. I never saw God- Flair smoke. He's got his own fucking. Now he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's smoking but with I, Mike like, Tyson. <laughs> the thing about Flair when we would be in Orlando, yeah. I mean. Atlanta, excuse me, <clears throat> when he would come down from the Omni Hotel and he would come to the dungeon, he would he would walk in and buy all the boys around. And that's just one of the reasons, you know, why we all loved him. And I mean, and the stories are true. He would be naked or in his boxers with socks and four flight attendants on the dance floor. I saw it 
with my own eyes. I saw it with my own eyes. So you see my picture of me and Flair up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, those are fun times. Flair was always, he was always like that. But I, I, I like to try some Ric Flair drip, but I haven't gone to the weed store. You know, I'm afraid to go in there. Um, I don't know what I'll come out of there with. Uh, you know, they'll get something on me and I'll, I'll be seeing monkeys again or something. Um, did you ever have any interactions with Steve Austin? Because I know he was getting kind of big there when you were bouncing in and out. We were. I was supposed to wrestle him and Brian on the WCW uh, as we were filming at night at Universal, I think. And the match got scratched for some reason. And right after that was when he got hurt. And then he went to WWF and I saw him up there. I mean, he was, he always kept to himself. I mean, you know, he was, you know, and they probably, you know, there were no like star dressing rooms, you know, at that time, but he, you know, sometimes he'd be right in the middle of us changing. Uh, That's about all the interaction I had with him. I wish I would have got a wrestling. I mean, that, um, freaking Steve Austin. I mean, I, I loved him and Brian. I thought that was the best while they're beating them down and they're, mm. you know, I thought that was, I thought that was hilarious. Um, great technical wrestler, you know, and a, a hell of a, that's just a hell of a thing. I mean, if you don't like hearing that damn glass shatter, you're not a wrestling fan, you know, that's and, the exact, that's the exact I, I was reason first I was and Dallas. foremost, I, I'm a wrestling fan. You know, first and foremost, before I was even in the ring, I was a wrestling fan, you know, making my own belts out of freaking construction paper and a, a canteen belt. You know, I mean, I'm a fan. So, you know, that's the way it should be. I'm an old school yeah. guy, man. You know, I'm, I'm all about old school. Can't help yeah. it. <laughs> Is there anyone that you would have liked to have wrestled apart from Steve that that you never got to rest and you really wanted to? Without a doubt, Flair. Um, and I often I often ask Bob if he would like to trade his Flair match and I'll give him my my Terry Funk match if he wants to make the trade. And Bob's like, yeah, you know, I want to wrestle Terry and I want to wrestle Flair. But at the end of the day, I don't know if I would want to do it. I had such a good time wrestling Terry Funk. You know, um, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> who, who who would you like to wrestle that you never got the chance to, basically? Flair, without a doubt. Um, damn. Could, could they be living or dead? Either or, yep. Either or. Um, I would have liked to have had one with Bruiser Brody. Um, Flair, Bruiser Brody, and... Um, probably it i mean that i can think of offhand that i didn't wrestle i really want to wrestle brody because i mean i i like the punching and kicking stuff i like the uh you know the the freaking wear your cowboy boots and your jeans to the you know a bunkhouse match that's that's boy when it was a bunkhouse match and and blackjack mulligan would come on tv and he would say let me tell you something get mama out the kitchen Get them little snot-nosed kids out from under that truck and get them in front of the TV. 
and then put them in the pickup truck and come down to the Civic Center in Lakeland because we're going to be getting it on tonight at 8 o'clock. Get in that truck and get here. And boy, here they came, 8 o'clock. Wouldn't have no shoes on, but they'd be at the wrestling matches. Shit. That's what I love. That's the wrestling I love. Take me back to 1984 in Florida. That's what I love. 80 to 84. Perfect. That's where I want to be. <laughs> what do you think of what do you think of modern wrestling? And we'll kind of we'll wrap this show up soon. And I've only went through half the things that we kind of that I had down, and we are going to do probably part two of this next week. So uh, when our schedules align. But uh, what what do you, what do you make of what's on TV these days? Because me as me personally, there's I find that there's too much of it, and I just can't. First of all, Raw is a three-hour show; it's too long. There's too many ad breaks when it's when it's on live, so I just find myself kind of watching highlights. Plus, it's on at this time over here. We'll say one a.m. And then there's AEW, which I think has declined massively. I think since it it got out there, and, mm. uh, but they have a, but they do have a massive fucking show coming up over here with ninety thousand people. So they're obviously doing something right as well. I think and here's my take on modern wrestling. AEW has too much programming right now. They can't focus on people the right way. And they can't book people the right way. When they have so much going on and he's trying to, you know, do it himself. You know, it's just not, it's not sustainable. I think Cornette says that all the time. It's just not sustainable, you know, for him to keep doing that. He needs to let other people help him out with that. Um, but if you keep having the same thing every week, people going through furniture, people going through the same, every week it's the same thing. And every week it takes more and more and more to beat somebody. You know, my finishing move used to be a, a DDT or a Mick Foley DDT, underhook, overhook DDT. I used to do yeah. that. Not a triple Lindy half, you know, retarded moonsault, whatever the hell they call it. That's what's killing the business right there, because even though people know it's fake, they don't want to be insulted. If I'm holding your hand and you're walking the top rope and, and you're going around the whole thing, you're telling me I don't have, I got four lengths of 18 foot. I can't pull you down or throw you out at least once. No, we're going to walk around. It's retarded. It's stupid. That's, that's where I can't watch it. Um, WWF, I don't know what they need. The bloodline is great. Um, I don't watch Raw much. I used to just fast forward through all the shows, AEW, Raw, everything. But now I don't even do that anymore. The only thing I watch is if something special is on. I like watching it on YouTube mm. because, you know, I can get to it real quick. I don't have to go through any bullshit. But WWF... I think if they brought back blood a little bit more, you need it. You definitely need blood. I think they need to bring it back. That would help out. But what I like, I do watch NXT a lot. I love NXT. I know a lot of the coaches with NXT. Whenever they come to where I'm at, um, I always go back and hang out with them backstage and watch the show. Um, they actually, the last show they were here, they asked me to participate in an angle. 
involving you. Do you watch NXT? Yeah, I watch bits and pieces of it. Yeah. They they asked me to do an angle for that night with uh, um, oh my god Chase U with Andre Chase and Thea, and basically they were doing a question and answer thing live for the crowd. So there's 500, about five, 600 people there. And I go to ask a question and he just shook hands me and just like completely talk shit to me. So then I come back like two questions later, like I wrote something down on my phone and I ring, I read this long question and he goes ballistic and he has me kicked out. So it's all pre-show stuff. So I literally security literally kicked me out. Okay, so now they're putting him over right now to set up something for later on tonight. You know what I'm saying? They're giving them something. And that's why I like NXT, because they're giving them something and they're learning their craft. Doing a house show in front of 500 people, you're going to learn a hell of a lot more than doing a TV match in front of 5000. You're going to learn, you know, there's not enough working the crowd. Bottom line, if those guys on TV would would tell some fat ass in the front row to sit down and shut his fat mouth before he comes down there and slaps his old lady, the ratings would go up. I promise you that. I promise you, if they did that shit, the ratings would go up, but it ain't going to happen. I could go on and on, but I know we want to wrap this up. So I don't watch new wrestling. That's the thing. I will watch the pay-per-views. I'll fast forward through it, stuff like that. But not every day for me. Yeah, Acer says Shawn Michaels is brilliant at writing scripts for NXT. Yep, yep. Yes, agree with that. he really is. And they've got they've got some great coaches, and I I, I love watching everything they do. You know, mm-hmm. not everything's a hit. Some things are a miss, but they're doing good. Yeah, yeah. Chris, it was a pleasure to chat to you today, man. And we're yes, going to continue. We're going to continue this interview during the week, and we're going to talk about a few more a few more bits and pieces. Uh, and people from your career so thanks a million man and just yes, before we wrap up where can people check you out check out your work or if you have any social medias you want to uh, oh yeah there? youtube just go to youtube and put in chris nelson wrestler and there's about 50 matches on there um i got facebook under my real name chris tipton t-i-p-t-o-n and that's it get a hold of me there Okay, Chris, thanks a million, man. If any teeth removed or anything like that, I'm a, I am a part-time dentist. <laughs> Acers is here. We'll finish on this one. Looking forward to watching the All-Ireland Hurling Final tomorrow. I'm assuming you don't know what that is, Chris. I know what hurling is. Actually, I do. Okay. I just, we just don't get anything. I would like to watch that myself. My, my team is in it tomorrow, Kilkenny. That's where I'm from in Ireland, and I'm doing a after party because i do djing as well in my local pub afterwards so if anyone that is friends with me on facebook that's going to the pub tomorrow it starts at seven o'clock but uh usually usually the wrestling and the and the, my my facebook friends are like people that i know from here and then the yeah. rest are like people i know from wrestling so yeah. that's why you see a lot of random shit on my facebook but anyway there we go it's good uh, to keep can, them separate i like doing yeah. that yeah, that's I'll be good. I should be doing that. Right, man. Thanks a million. We'll see you. Good luck.